Welcome to the new year. Oh, it's, it seems like it, it gathers attention when we want to. Um, actually, it just gathers my attention. Probably you guys don't even know about it. So I'm excited about this Sunday. There's been a lot of a thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of um, conversations about what I believe God has, has called us to. Um, and as I, as I prepared for it, I, I, I looked back. I didn't realize that this is the fourth time I've stood before this church in January and kind of talked and, and, and had a conversation with you about what I feel God is, is calling us to. The, the first year was, was 2014, and I was like, man. I just got out of a, a cabinet business, and, and, and Pastor Dick Spear, who, who was my boss at the time, says, hey, I want you to do this. I'm like, Are you sure, boss? He goes, yeah. Because that June they would they would they would, or uh, Sam Rockwell would install me as a senior pastor here, and he goes, "No, you need to do this." And we had just as a body got through this time in church life that it was difficult. We had we had moved. We had been in here six months. There was still a transition of sorts for for people that sat here and. And, and we had swapped buildings with another church, and God had, had blessed us mightily, but it was also a very painful time. So not only did we move a building, I, I was standing up here, and, and there are those of you that are still here that survived the transition, and you're like, oh my God, another pastor. Because I was like the seventh one in like nine years. And... and you know, it was one of those things, and yet there was a sense of excitement that God was, was going to do uh, something new, and he drew us to Isaiah, and it said, do not, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, and that was more than just having to deal with me as a pastor. There was a transformation of hearts, and a time of preparation, and we launched the Spanish service. In the middle of everything that we were going through, we got a crazy idea. It's like, okay, we've talked about this enough. We're going to do this. And so in May of, of 14, our congregation, Hispanic-wise, began to meet in the afternoon, and we did that. And then we turned around. I was like, my gosh, 15's here. And so where 14 was a time of preparation, 15 kept us in Isaiah and and he, he shared with us, go through the gates and prepare the way for the people. Build up the highway, clear it of stones, and one other thing is like, remove all the obstacles. We had went through a, a rebranding and we became 23. And God called us to, to take the things out of the way that had stopped people. And so we looked at it all in our own lives and we looked at it organizationally. We looked at it spiritually. And we began to remove things that we felt that, that was stopping growth. And, and as we addressed certain issues, we began to grow in both places. 
And, and, and it would, we would, we, I, could, I could unpack that for the rest of the time here, but, but it was profound in the sense that God was beginning to take our eyes and, and go from this inward perspective to outward. And the minute we began to do outward, we began to realize that there are some things that we'd have to address. And then 16 rolled around. 16 was a year of expectation. That we began to move from hope to expectation. That you became a people as a church that actually believed that God would do what he said he was going to do. And that was a change. I mean, as your pastor, I knew that one of the difficult things was as I, as I began to be me and, 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 and lead this congregation, it was like we have to begin to see this community for what it is, a great harvest waiting to happen. And that God would want to heal us physically. And God would want to restore our relationships And that you as a people would become bold and you would pray and believe that God would hear. And that towards the end of the year, it was like, and we're going to just expect this. It wasn't a shock that God would move and God would talk and God would care. And we saw that come to fruition. Throw out numbers. We had 59 people accept Christ last year. 59. We grew by 20% overall. We're launching a Fort Collins congregation. And if you sat back and, and you looked at us organizationally, you would say, Dave, you're nuts. And I'd go, yeah, it's kind of me. But what we discovered was a God who heard, a Jesus that is the same today as he was yesterday, that he will be forever. And we can, with great expectation, send out a team starting in February. And we expect God to move and begin to touch another city northwest of us with a dynamic team called by God. And so now we're here this morning. And, and, and what's on my heart is both corporate and individual. And it's individual because I believe as a church that, that these walls are, are awesome and great and the lights are good and the sound's okay and everything's good, but, but this is not us. At 23 is you. At 23 is not the walls or not the facility or not the property. The 23 is you. And so what God has called you to is what God has called us to. Does that make sense? That when we start talking about church, sometimes we get, we get sidetracked into this idea that we talk about organizational sets of, of, and strategy so that we can make the walls grow. And we begin to talk about impact in a community, and we begin to grow, dream about at too, too many times the church will somehow represent itself by making a bigger building, and yet... This morning, I want to encourage you and let you know with great confidence that that is not what we are about here. It's not God's heart for us. God's heart 
And I believe this with everything in my heart. I have great confidence in this. And I think that you in these chairs are here for a specific reason and a specific purpose. That God has a word for you, and because He has a word for you, He has a word for us. That what God begins to stir up in you, He stirs up in us. And the, the reference and, the, and the, the consequences of God birthing a vision in the individual resides in the manifestation of that in our church. That God wants to empower you to be released into the life that He has created for you and called you to live in. Oh, if you guys could grasp that one. That God wants to empower you to be released into the life He has already created for you. That we no longer have to simply hope and dream. That there is a choice that we as individuals get to make this year to begin to pursue and to realize and to take hold of the dreams and make those dreams a reality. To make the promises real in our lives and no longer do we simply look out and hope that that God someday moves, but that this year, that He wants you to hear this. That He wants to empower you to take hold and lay claim and grasp and put it in your pocket and carry with you the life that He has already made for you. That it is not a life of scarcity and, and, and worry. It is not a life of, of hopes and dreams. There is a reality to it this year. And for those of you that are here for the first time, I am not, nor will I ever be, I should never say never, because like God always messes with that with me. I'm not a faith and a prosperity guy. That makes sense for some of you long-term Christians. I've always struggled with theology that you can, and I've, I've said this before, and it's been a while, but I'll say it this morning. I've always struggled personally and spiritually with a theology that I cannot spin the globe and have it apply to another place in this, in this sphere. As sometimes we lay claim to things simply because we are blessed and fortunate to live in this nation of great bounty. And yet when you travel, you know what we consider just commonplace, like water. We go to parts of the world and there's this idea that clean water is like the best thing out there because it it saves lives. And, And yet we can turn on our faucet anywhere and we complain about the fluoride. Like if you're in LA, you complain about the taste, but you ain't gonna get sick by it. But this morning, I want to talk at a level that that probably is a little bit new for, for, for you who have heard me for the last four years. And what God would want to challenge you. I want to challenge you as friends, as your pastor. Dude, God has something for you. I might not get through this. Everything's going down, sweetie. So, leadership. What does it mean to be empowered? If you've ever had to run people, if you've ever been a boss, you know that empowering leaders create an an area where they give the skill set. They train skills. They give authority. 
They give opportunities to take people take initiative. Right? And if you ever have worked with a guy that is controlling and freaked out, you will never go or never develop into anything more than what you were hired to. Yet an empowering leader will provide opportunities for you to develop capacity and competencies beyond what you currently experience so that you can take, seize opportunities that are out there. And that is a picture of our God. The God that we profess is not a God that holds life tightly in his hands and and, and sprinkles it out for people that are really good to somehow magically enjoy it. That our God is a God who empowers people that follow him. That give you the skills and the capacity to experience life, not just what it is now, but what it should be later. That God's always going to challenge you to become the men and women He has for you in the future. And we sit back at times as, as people and we wonder what life is and what life has. I've got to turn some stuff off because everything's dying, baby. The book of Hebrews says, I know what I can do. I don't even have my phone. Hey, Davey, can you go to my, my office and get my phone in my drawer on the left side? That the book of Hebrews writes of our God, and it's a beautiful say that may He equip you for all that you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to Him. We've got to equip you with all that you need. An empowering God equips not only what you need today, but what you need tomorrow so that you begin to realize life as it is meant to be lived. Not life as it is meant lived right now. Paul writes to Timothy about Scripture. It says, it says Scripture is, is God-breathed to prepare and equip His people for every good work. And yet we look at our lives and we go, um, hope this will work. I even got a voicemail from one of you guys. God bless us all. The reason I'm doing this, you guys, is because I felt like God has given us something. And I, and I don't want to forget that. So bear with me just real quick. And thank you for your patience and your understanding. And if you have letters to write, it's okay. Because I'm already writing one in my head. We look at our lives and we wonder, we're over. What does that mean for us? And we have to get all polished before we take claim to what God has for us. And yet a guy named Philip Yancey writes that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And every single person here that professes faith in Jesus Christ is called by God to do good works. And you can't look to the left like, well, that doesn't apply to me because you cannot do that this year. God will continually push you to engage what Scripture tells you, that He has a call of God on your life. And because He has a call of God on your life, He is faithful to complete that. He is not just going to leave you out there hanging because He's a good boss. He doesn't set you up to fail. He sets you up to succeed. And so when He calls you to things bigger and and more profound than what you currently have. He doesn't do that 
to make you look at yourself and go, man, I am a loser. I should be doing this. No, he does that to tell you and to give you guidance to where you're going to be. And then he equips you for that task. And so as an empowering God, you become an empowered person. An empowered person is confident. You do not go to God as a pauper. You go to God confident because he has set you and set you apart. Scripture says in Philippians that I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue this work until it is finally finished. An empowered believer is courageous. Not only are you confident in what Scripture says is true, that confidence and the, 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 the ability to grow in relationship within you creates a courage that is unparalleled in society. Society creates courage based on capacity. Like, I am, I am courageous if you put me in a wood shop. Like, oh, I'm confident in my ability because I can control my ability. I know I can build things. And so if a boss tells me to build something curved, I'm courageous in doing that, but it's, it isn't because it, it reinforces my own talents and my own skill sets. And yet this year, God wants you to understand He will call you to things that are beyond you. But because He calls you, you can go boldly and begin to pursue those things. Because He is not a God of failure. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's wombs. He knows the very numbers of hair on your head. He has a plan for you to prosper. A plan for a future and a hope. And you can become courageous in that. You don't have to be timid in that. Philippians tells us that I am certain he who began a good work will finish it. And that everyone was born of God in 1 John 4 or 5, 4 and 5 overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. He who overcomes the world. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You don't have to be worried that this is all that there is because this is not all that there is. You do not have to be worried about being defined because you can't be defined by the present because you have a future. An empowered person looks ahead looks ahead. We live our lives like this half the time. We're like the relay guy always waiting for the baton to be handed off. Let me tell you, you have the baton in your hand. Run the race that was set before you. You do not have to always look back wondering if you're going to be in the lane. You are released to pursue the life that God has given you. And you have the skill set necessary to run that race. Paul writes about this to Philippians. I focus on the one thing. I focus on what is ahead. I forget the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Empowered people are not handicapped by the limitations of humanity. Let me say that one more time. Empowered believers in Jesus Christ are not limited by the limitations that are present in humanity. 
My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Empowered people are chosen people. First Peter says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And finally, empowered people are meant to be released. Empowered people are meant to be released. We know this, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He said, gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. My job as a pastor is not to placate your needs, not to make you feel warm and fuzzy, though I will placate you every once in a while and I'll hug you to make you feel warm and fuzzy. Just because I love you. But my job as your pastor is to push and prod you into the life that you have been called to live. That's my job. My job is not simply to say what is comfortable up here, though it would be easier to say that. And you know that. As much and hard-headed as you guys think I am, man, if you crawled into my head on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon, you'd be like, oh, Dave, just say what you want to say. Because the internal battle at times is just, it never stops. But God, it's good I'm deaf. I didn't even hear that. I heard a, ah. Someone's doing this. and I didn't know. Um, I'm kidding. I sat there this morning. I sat yesterday and the day before. And the week before, snowshoeing and Friday skiing. And I, and I thought about what God wants for you. I love you guys. I'm proud to be your pastor. I'm proud to pastor this church and our congregations. I'm honored to be a part of something bigger than what I could do by myself. God has called you into something greater than what you're currently living in. And God is empowering you to take the claim and the lay claim to that. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at the life of Caleb. And if I ever encourage you to be a part of the next few weeks, be a part. Make make it a choice to get here. And then miss the following. I'm looking for four solid weeks of you having your butts in these seats. And then if you need a break, like, oh, four weeks of solid church, I need a break. Be released. Take a break. Week five or week six. But along with this idea of being empowered and released, I felt like I needed to do two things. One is your pastor of a local church. I need to ask your forgiveness. Because sometimes pastors and a lot of times pastors do wrong things. 
intentionally or otherwise. A lot of times it's unintentional. But I know me enough to know that sometimes my personality and the fact that I'm always driving makes some of you nervous and upset and unintentionally hurt. And that's never been my intention. But I love you enough to push you because I believe God has more for you than what you guys currently experience. And so as an old sports guy, I always like take the role of the coach that yells and just go get down the field. But in doing that, some of you have been hurt. And I'm sorry. And, and it's, it's not like I'm, I'm thinking I'm bad. I just know that some of you are hurt. And I want to ask your forgiveness. Because I love you enough to know that unforgiveness is like this when you go to God. I'm telling you that God wants to fill you up and that you go to God like this. And God can't do anything with this because you can't let go of anything. I want to encourage you to let go of hurts. And I want to ask your forgiveness as a representative of the local church. Dear Lord, am I tired of hearing how bad the local church is. Show me any organization that has the opportunity and the power and the wherewithal to change society other than the local church. But some of us have been hurt by what people say or people do or people think or people act or people look. And we go to God like this. And as your pastor and as a representative of the local church, please forgive leadership for the stupid that occurs in church. So that you cannot go to God like this. That you can go to God like a child would a dad or a parent. Give me what is mine. He does not want you to go another year timid and hurt and broken and full of all the ugly that this world has to offer you. He wants you to go into this this year free. Let it go. So I stand before you. Forgive me. Forgive me for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Forgive me for not saying thank you when I should have. Forgive me for not giving you the opportunities that you deserved. Forgive me for the people that have wronged you in the past. Forgive me for the things that you have been subjected to in the name of God and in the name of religion. But now it's on you. Because I'm a heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry enough to say God wants more for you. God wants more for you than to be bitter and angry and timid and broken. God wants more for you. God wants you to live a life that He has called you to. God wants you to experience the fullness of life that is meant to be lived as a child of the Most High. God wants you to understand that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a chosen people. 
And that you can never experience that if you go to Him constantly like this. Have the courage to open up your hands and allow yourself to extend forgiveness and be forgiven. Allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can enjoy life in all its richness. Allow yourself to take that step and to realize that you are empowered by God himself to do good things. That is 23. A forgiving and forgiven people who believe that they are called for something more than what life is. That you are a forgiven people and that you are forgiving people, that you are a people of mercy because you have experienced mercy. You are a people of grace because you have experienced grace. You are a people of forgiveness because you have been forgiven. And because of that, I promise you, we can make a difference in this city. We can make a difference in this region. We can make a difference in this state. And we're going to dream big dreams. And there are some of you that are called by God to do things that will freak you out. And guess what? I will tell you all about what it's like to be freaked out. We'll hug and we'll get you down the road. Because that's my job. And there ain't nothing cooler for me to do than to take a man or a woman who has a call of God on their life and help them express that in a healthy, tangible, sustainable way. 